2: Hey everyone, today's real vision daily briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash KRBN. Now to the top analysis of today's markets.
0: Is it time to buy tech? Hi everyone, welcome to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. With me today, Nadine Terman, CEO and CIO of Solstein Capital. Hi, Nadine, hey, Nadine. welcome to Real Vision.
1: Thank you, Maggie, great to be here today.
0: So before we jump in a little, for, for those who maybe are not familiar, give us just give us a little overview. What's your area of focus and what's your approach at Solstein?
1: Sure, so we launched back in 2010. Half of what we do is for institutions. It's long only ex-US positions in both developed and emerging markets, and then the other half is much more tactical for family offices, corporate pensions foundations, high net worth individuals, uh, where we can use options, go long, short, um, invest in the US, so pretty much global, do whatever you want to do. So the nice thing is you get this little balance between two types of clients, but also um, I do have a lot of respect for people who have to stay invested versus just sit in short-term treasuries. So, you know, we always have to have some clients that are in the market at all times.
0: Yeah, I love that. And that's a really great point because we've had a lot of people say this year, like, just sit it out. <laughs> just, you know, you're getting paid to be in cash. But as you point out, that's not everyone's – that's not that's not true for everyone. So um, that's great and great to have that that global view. So – we have a lot of competing headlines today. Let's start with banking, since we just can't seem to get away <laughs> from that. And Janet Yellen today seemed to shift her tone a little bit, saying Treasury is ready to, you know, take action, step in and take a- additional actions if warranted to stabilize banks. A lot of people are making a lot of the fact that her and Jay Powell seem to be on, on different pages yesterday. What's your sense of what's happening with the banking situation? Is this contained or do you think there's more trouble to come?
1: Definitely the latter. I mean, as you pointed out, Powell, he was basically on the tightrope yesterday and was walking pretty well. Then she blew that strong wind, (laughs) kind of was knocking him off. And then today, I don't know if she's walking backwards on that tightrope or doing spins, but she just seems to be flip-flopping here on what she's saying. I think the tricky part is they're trying to pretend that everything's okay. You know, don't take out those deposits. We're going to make sure we manage um, the deposit fleeing. But at the same time, you know, they're hiking rates because inflation's high. Labor obviously is still pretty strong and it takes a while for labor markets to wind down and have that unemployment rate go up. So I think that, you know what I mean, they're on different pages because they have these competing objectives and they're coming on air at different times. But at the end of the day, I think that they don't know what they broke. It's like they had some toys. They broke some toys. But there's a lot of things underneath the surface that I think they're realizing are just coming out day by day, month by month. We're going to hear a lot about that in earnings season coming up.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. And they're also sometimes talking to different audiences, aren't they? Sometimes they're talking to the American (laughs) public, the depositors, and other times they're talking about talking to politicians who hate a suggestion of any sort of aid or bailout. Correct um yeah so there is a lot of noise out there you you know you just mentioned about breaking things uh, we you know we do it's interesting too i feel like there are some people who are like oh this is contained as if it's just about silicon valley bank there are a lot of other people who are very concerned about a continued flight of deposits and we're hearing a lot about commercial real estate as well
1: sure sure and i think you you know one of the things i found um unfortunate today was when schwab ceo is coming out saying Hey, don't worry, even if all of the deposits left on the banking side, we'd be okay because we could do A, B, C, you know, all the different things that you know First Republic is doing, plus others. Um, and that doesn't make anyone feel good that you're already thinking about not only like the worst case scenario, but that's what you have to defend against in to your shareholders and to the investor base. So I think that's a concern. And people are moving. As he pointed out i think it was a few days ago and reiterated today people are shifting even in schwab from deposits to whether it's short-term treasuries or money market funds so when you have that shifting even if you're staying you know in the same entity it does affect them it does affect what are their liquid what's the liquid cash that they can deal with so i don't think that this is contained and as you you know people on your show pointed out like darius yesterday you know 38 percent of u.s commercial bank loans and leases Um, are with small banks. And so this has a huge ripple effect. Some banks might not even know, because day-to-day people are taking out their deposits, how bad it's going to be. So I think those risk managers who didn't do a good job in the first place are probably scrambling with their Excel spreadsheets trying to figure this out before earnings season.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know those leases are going to roll off too. If people aren't outright dropping them now out of distress, it doesn't mean they'll renew them. So it does have that feeling of rolling. Um, and, and you're exactly right. Uh, Raul, uh, co-founder of of uh, Real Vision, Raul Powell, posted an update on this very topic for our pro macro members, where he talked about the banking issues and importantly what he thinks it's going to mean for interest rates. Let's have a, a listen to a clip from that.
2: The only way to solve the bank's immediate problem of deposits leaving the system is the Fed have to cut rates, and they have to cut two to 300 basis points to get the yield curve to maybe 75 basis points steep, maybe steeper. I think rates come all the way back down.
0: I mean, this is certainly an out of consensus call from Raoul. Um, he's talking about potentially emergency rate cuts, if not super aggressive ones, uh, a trillion dollar hole in the system that's going to need to be filled. I mean, he's got a lot to say. Uh, and we are going to be having uh, on that um and and I know some of you, by the way, have conflicting views about this. I mean, disagree with him about inflation, disagree with him. He's going to say what he thinks everyone should be buying. Um, if you are a Real Vision member, he's going to be doing a live AMA today at 5, uh, shortly after the show. Um, and he's going to be joined by some pro-macro members. Um, that's going to be super interesting. They are opening it up to all tiers. It's usually just pro-macro stuff, but they're opening it up to all tiers. So you're going to want to check that out. If you are not a member... Hit that QR code and jump on the trial and join. Uh, these are really important conversations to be participating in. Um, so, so Nadine, it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought because we just had the Fed hiking twenty-five. The market is certainly pricing in interest rate cuts at some point, but do you think that 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 may be a situation that comes earlier?
1: I don't think it's as imminent as you was pointing out. There's just no way. Uh, I think they'd lose, not that they have a ton of credibility, but they're going to lose that last uh, bit of credibility if they started cutting rates aggressively right now. Not going to happen. As they said, You know, they're focused on labor. They're focused on inflation. That's what they're going to be focused on. Certainly, they have the mind you know, to Congress, to the voters out there. So they were a little bit dovish in their commentary, but they have to get that down because the other mistake they can't make in their own minds, right? So putting yourself in their shoes is that pausing reducing rates and then having inflation go back again. You know, I mean, if I were China, I could take advantage of that and start flooding with liquidity and, you know, putting money into the hands of consumers to get inflation up and then make the Fed have a real mistake. Uh, so I think that that's going to be tough to do. And that's why everybody's really worried about a recession and having that come closer in. You know, as I, I don't know if mm-hmm. you can put the chart up, but I brought a chart that the S&P released stats showing that corporate defaults are at their highest since 2009. So we can put that up there. Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that they have to again balance on this tight rope because inflation's still high, we got the unemployment numbers in, it's still such a tight labor market, but you're having, you know, parts of the economy begin to crater and as Maggie C said it's going to be like this rolling situation that we can get into. And so I think you just have to be very picking very very carefully in the market right now but knowing that we don't and the companies probably themselves don't know all the things going on but the Fed is stuck.
0: Yeah between a rock and a hard place is what yeah. the, the conclusion we keep coming to um and we have some comments too saying uh you know can't, that's not true Can the, can't the banks just increase the amount paid on deposits they could but it would kill their profitability uh, yeah. I mean, it's everybody's everybody's stuck between a rock and a hard place yeah. it seems so these are you know these are really treacherous waters hey everyone we're going to take a quick break right now to hear a word from our partners we'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the real vision daily briefing So interesting. Um, and again, this is what I meant about conflicting views. A lot of people on different sides of this. What do you do with tech? Because clearly we've seen technology leading. We've seen people True. putting money back into tech. Um, you know, they, We see the move in bond yields, the anticipation that there'll be rate cuts at some point. Are people getting ahead of themselves? Do you think, Nadine, on that? Or should we be thinking about buying tech and positioning ourselves for that inevitability?
1: Sure. Well, I think you have to bifurcate the industry, right? And first take, okay, what is that same, remember the broad brush last year, long duration, rates go up, tech goes down. So you're seeing a bit of that going on right now. In fact, a couple of days we do a morning program and I was showcasing a lot of the technical signals. So whether you were looking at the QQQs or whether you're looking at Microsoft, Apple, NVIDIA, you kind of went down the list, everybody's at the top end of their trading range. So that tells you that wasn't fundamental, that's a factor rotation, right? So number one, if you wanna play the factor rotation, I think that the the big part of that came out already, but then you have to really start looking under the hood. So if you do historical analyses, not all tech works, in that broad brush when the market's going down, which we think that it's going to have some challenging times ahead, when there's credit crises and the like. So again, you're going to be looking for strong balance sheets. You're going to be looking for when cash flows go from profits to, sorry, from profits to cash flow. So if they're paying dividends or doing share purchases or reinvesting in their business, they're not going to have to curtail that because of a slower economy, right? So what mm. tends to do better is often software, um, what tends to do better is uh, not hardware, but companies that are showing consistency, that they are probably giving back a little bit through a dividend or share repurchase or investing in a business, but not in a like you know growth to nowhere. Meaning like oh, I'm going to do it on a VR headset I've never done before and it's going to take me five years. People are going to want to see metrics about how you're growing. How are you using that cash flow? So tech can do quite well, but it's I don't think it's going to be as a Broad of a brush in 2023 of just investing in tech, and so one of the things we like to do. In fact, if you want to put up the, um, it's going to be about 20 minutes late because I I sent this over, but you can put up the Longbow dashboard. You can see the technical system. I put here the cues. If you look at that, you know it's near the top end of its trading range. It closed the day here. The range low is 290 spot 88. And the top is about 316. I think I read, I've got glasses about 39. So you have minus, call it 2.7 to one downside in that. Even though it's bullish short-term and bullish medium-term momentum, that's been the factor play. So what I would do is if you've been going long in tech, and certainly you know we have positions like Microsoft and others, you have to then say, well, how am I going to hedge those? If I have a low cost base, if I pay taxes, when is it cheap for me to hedge? It may be to you know, hedge out some of those factor risks now, and then just make sure you're betting on those positions that have what I said, either low debt or debt that's covered by cash flow, you know, again, a lot more consistency, you know, if they're paying dividends, those won't get cut, all of those things will matter. They're not going to be, you know, investing in just in hopes and dreams, if the market's all going down. So again, you really have to stock select at this point.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that, because I think that we we sort of during the, the you know, the decline in tech and everyone was so negative on tech, it, it, a lot of people made it seem like everything is future earnings, like all <laughs> tech is future earnings and there aren't any fortress balance sheets. That's value, um, not necessarily tech. So, you know, you're saying, yeah, you have to differentiate. There are those companies out there. Do sure. they fall into a certain sector when you're looking at that Who who are a bit more? Resilient in terms of being able to hang on to that cash flow.
1: There are some. Um, well, outside of tech, though, let's take broad base. Actually, ASR came out with a really good study um, this week, and it's showing how basic resources, telecom, media, actually have the longest average maturity in their debt, mm. and autos are the shortest. Um, and then also, there's certain industrial goods and services, you know, that have the, they call it the next average maturity of debt. So if you take those, there could be telecom with tech. There could be media with tech, right? Mm. You start kind of peeling back the onion. There's certainly those in industrials with tech, not just your regular infotech securities. That's what we try to do around the world. In fact, you'll find tech and consumer discretionary. Around the world, they put it in different categories of sectors. And so you kind of parse those out and say, mm. well, I want those securities, even if they have debt but have Call it more consistency of cash flows to pay for the debt, or you know, and hopefully it's long-term and it's fixed, not variable. And so again, <laughs> yeah. you're kind of you know doing a little bit of homework here to make sure you're picking the right kind of businesses, they have the right capital structures, sure, you know, they're shareholder-oriented. Um, but then you can find some value because a lot of them did get painted with that brush. Certainly, many of them have rallied in the last few weeks. You got to be a bit careful here, mm. and then say, if you can hedge, well, let's hedge out some of that factor risk. But if you're going straight long, well, let's maybe pick some countries that have been under pressure, like India. Um, Korea was on the upswing, but you know Japan um, that has been strong, but then a little bit more mixed. So again, you can find some that are you know servicing auto companies, that are servicing transportation companies. So find those techs that aren't necessarily your obvious tech.
0: Yeah, and you know I, I remember a, a little bit back someone saying. Every every tech every company is a tech company. That's not true, but so many companies have technology so built into their you know basic business that you're right. You can see why traditionally they would be put into a different sector, maybe even a different sure. index. But there's a lot of you know resilient technology that drives their their core business. So right, there that's could be a- sensor
1: tech. There's sensor companies in consumer discretionary industrials that service the tech industry. So you just really have to kind of parse out what are they doing and then say, well, is that oh you know is there a secular trend there? What's the valuation on the business? You know, what, is it going to be about China, China reopening or is it just more of a valuation gap? So, trying to figure out where you're going to make the money, but not just betting on tech overall. I think that that has played out a little bit already this year.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really, really fantastic point, Nadine.
2: Just a quick moment to remind you today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their KRBN ETF at craneshares.com forward slash krbn now back to today's analysis
0: so a uh, couple of headlines in the world of tech today that i want to ask you about just just a couple um, which one have, yeah exactly we have a, we get a couple questions on block block got murdered today on the you know report uh from the short um yeah. from hindenburg um not, not. Don't really want you to uh, re- respond to the report as much, but just is this a problem that you think is going to be specific to Block and and you know this now report they have to deal with, or is it a payment business issue in general where they're going to come under a lot more scrutiny?
1: Well, it sounds like some of these same issues were flagged at PayPal, right? So I think you have to be careful. And In many ways, it kind of echoes the banking sector, right? Which is risk management compliance knowing what you're doing and then stress testing it versus what you're supposed to be doing and so you know you can kind of even make parallels to TikTok today right is that if you don't understand who your customers are and what they're doing and then you know looking at um, how your business is making money the statistics it's reporting um, all of those things come under compliance so marketing should be under compliance um, the strategies should be under compliance in terms of making sure you're doing what you say you're doing again. and then, um it's something that you'd be proud of if it came in front of regulators, I guess, or your mom. <laughs> That's yeah. something you should be doing. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that 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 old rule of thumb <laughs> holds a lot of weight and it's something a lot of people I think veered away from. So uh, do, are, are you are you exposed do you, do you have you been playing in that area at all, or is payment something that you just you, you're not a fan of right now in the in the macro environment as well?
1: You know, we have payments companies, but they're outside the U.S. And mm-hmm. so they're a bit less exposed to some of the issues here. And they're more uh, part of the infrastructure that deals with other companies. And so it's less consumer oriented, like what you're seeing here. And yeah. so we don't really playing in this space. But obviously, from a headline and a personal perspective, because I have a lot of friends, you know, work at some of these companies, um, I care about it. I'm interested in it. But it's not something that affects our portfolios very much.
0: Um, you mentioned TikTok. That was the other big news today. Uh, the CEO going in front of Congress. You know, we know what these congressional hearings are like. It's a you know a public flogging. A lot of it's politically motivated. But you know, what's your impression of of the road ahead for TikTok?
1: On the one hand, as you said, this is a spectacle, and it's made as such um, because you have a First Amendment right, and so that's going to be something that trumps anything going on. And then second of all, there's a lot of people, including a couple of my teenagers that use it, right? A lot of young voters. So so let's say we're talking about just politics. A lot of young voters use this service. So you put that on the one side to be like, well, there's gonna have to be a lot of work done if you're gonna um, manage this company, if you're gonna try to split it up to be able to understand how to do that and how to do that right, right? And then on the other hand, you have, well, the things that they're saying are pretty bad. And so, you know, you don't wanna have people um, being watched by the Communist Party, and he, you know, the, you know, the answer on that was um, terrible. So spying, no good, right? <laughs> yeah, I heard I, he he
0: sounded ill prepared, <laughs> if I may say, for the entire episode. I mean, it's never, you know, but it, I was, I, I didn't even watch it all. But in the beginning, I just thought, oh, this is not going well at all.
1: No, no. When when you get when you have to like answer with spying, you can't just say no. We never do it. Then you got a bit of a problem. And the same thing if people are running, you know, videos about suicide and the like, and, you know, I guess going after children, that's never good either. So you're not going to see this go away, right? And so will regulation and some sort of of action come down the pike? Probably. But it's it's not like some kind of simple thing that you already know how to push the button and happen because that would have happened already. And so it's going to take a long time. It's going to affect a lot of companies. I mean, the only person happy today is probably Zuckerberg because he could just sit out and watch someone else in the hot seat. Right, but yeah. but this is going to affect everybody, so this is going to be closely watched, it's going to be a long time, and I don't think that Congress and call it the average age of Congress or the people are going to go figure this out quickly,
0: yeah, exactly. And that's a point that came up in um, uh, for, for our members in Ralph's interview with Imad Mustak, of uh, the CEO of uh, Stability AI, I said, Listen, I mean, they're still getting around to figuring out the internet, maybe even social yeah. media platforms, not anytime soon. And we have AI, you know, racing sure, forward right. at amazing speed, which is something we're going to continue to come back to. Um, AI, an in, in area that you're investing in or, or looking at through an investment lens, by
1: the way? It is. Um, so we, we are actually, we have a, a team over at Stanford who um, is working on a bunch of projects in AI and ML for us. So that's obviously something that we care about from an investor point of view of how do you use it. Uh, but then in terms of companies, for sure, right? Because it needs computing power, it needs mm. services. There's just so many different things that that occur with it um, and that benefit from it. So you want to be thinking about in terms of the businesses you own, does it matter? You know, does it change the moat of your business? But at the same time, there's going to be a lot of companies in that you know the ecosystem that can benefit. What you can't do is just say like, well, that's going to affect next quarter's earnings. No, it may affect their headlines of what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, this is going to be a while. There's going to be a lot of dollars invested, and so that's really what you have to pay attention to: um, the strategy of the business, the financials of the business, and then say, are they a piece of this so that they're going to be benefiting? call it in the early days versus having to wait three to five years to figure out if they're successful and what they're doing.
0: Yeah, because it strikes me that with all the enthusiasm and the rush to this and the rush to even those who've been in it, you know, so many reports about Google having to rush their product out, that there will be enormous opportunity, but also a lot of head fakes, right? A lot of people don't make it. We saw stocks going up probably based on algorithmic trading just because they had (laughs) AI in a sentence in their earnings you know call investor call um that seems like it's also could be dangerous
1: yeah and i think you just have to hopefully have a, a mild understanding of it and then a network of people you could call to talk about it to say well what's reality what's not reality and that that always helps me because i'm not a technologist so it helps to have people you can call And being in Silicon Valley, it's helpful just to say like, well, you know, explain this to me, explain how people are using it. What does this take to make this kind of investments or to be working on this? What kind of people do you need? Do they need to be local? Can you get them abroad? You know, all of those things matter. And so obviously it's a hot topic and the, the words mean a lot. But at the end of the day, you have to make that investment and it has to affect your business in a way that also is sustainable, that that moat that you just spent a lot of money for doesn't get destroyed really quickly, right? There's a lot of things that are unknown about it. I think that, you know, that's what you have to take into consideration if you're looking security by security.
0: We're going to take another quick break to hear a word from our partners. We'll be right back with more of the day's top analysis on the Real Vision Daily Briefing. Mm-hmm. So, um, wh- where do you see where do you see uh, a lot of value these days, or not even value opportunity? I mean, you've got a global view, so I'm I'm interested in that as well. It sounds like you're
1: uh,
0: positive on some sort of emerging areas. What what is most attractive to you right now?
1: Sure, and you know everyone's focused on rates, but I really think you should focus on the dollar. And so at the end of the day, you know what's happened over the past few years, and you saw the the dollar appreciate so much and then obviously since the fall it's been depreciating and then it's call it negative correlation with gold so dollar down gold up a lot of like simple things that occur Um, but it has a lot of implications for things that haven't done well like emerging markets right Mm -hmm. and so i think what you can start to do and the businesses whose costs might be denominated dollars and maybe their revenues are denominated and they're either local currency or currencies around the world. Is say, well, how do we take a look at the dollar and say, you know, given the four—I mean, if Powell's right and they're going to do, you know, QE or other—what's kind of, going to happen to the dollar? So, kind of, you do have to care about rates; you can't not care about rates. But what's going to happen to growth? What's going to happen to inflation? What happened to rates? And then what's going to happen to the dollar? And then who can benefit from that? What's the time frame on that? Who can benefit from that? So, I think there's a lot of derivative plays from the U.S. dollar. Um, that you can do, and at the same token, you know, um, look around the world a little bit because there's a lot of businesses that didn't perform as well as the U.S. And obviously, some have ramped since the fall. You know, with China reopening, but that's come back a bit. Um, there's just going to be a lot of consumer spend still in travel, still in staples, still across different sectors. It might not have been the sexy plays, right? It could mm-hmm. just be the beer that people drink. It could be, you know, the milk that people have. Um, it might not, you know, you don't have to trade uh, materials. You don't have to know what you think about Rio Tinto. But I, so I think you can make these plays maybe um, and have a little bit less risk. So you can get some defensiveness. Like we think you need to be a little bit more defensive. So again, maybe better balance sheets or a lot of cash flow. Think about those businesses that will have growth. Might increase their dividends to so start to look maybe a few other factors and look around the world. So that's what we've been doing.
0: And what what is the biggest risk that you're concerned about, and or a hedge that you like, given the concerns out there? I heard you mention hedging a couple times.
1: Sure. So so on the long-only portfolios, we actually can't own much cash, and we can't hedge, can't do anything of that. So you do have to care about the dollar because you could be in you know a country with. If the currency, um, you know, did well, it can have an impact on your portfolio. So, you know, if you're playing in a long only book, uh, I would say, you know, looking at defensives that might have, have been overlooked a little bit, like utilities got really hit last year. Um, and if you're looking at some of those businesses that have secular trends um, with the green energy transition, you know, that does pretty well. Same thing when rates go down. So if you're a better than an intermediate term, rates are going to go down uh, down, those are long duration assets. So I think you can play, call it utilities around the world very well. I think so from the long perspective, but then on the hedge perspective that you're asking, um, some of these things is just time. So I'll kind of give you two answers to that. We, since last year, we're rolling short-term treasury. So that is something <laughs> I totally admit that we've been doing. So if you can clock 5%, And even for some clients, let's say we were able to lock in a fixed long-term rate at 2.8 and they can be getting a a decent five plus percent return. They're getting this really nice spread on a lot of money. So that's something that we did last year um, for a large client of ours. So that's, you know, one thing. So you're kind of time advantage of when you want to get back in uh, Mm -hmm. when other people are at the maximum pain because we haven't talked about, you know, defaults too much yet. But then on the other hand, you know, for hedges, um, I think there's still a lot of factor trading going on. Obviously, a lot of the quantitative models, as you pointed out, um, do a lot of the trading or or spur a lot of the trading. So um, from that perspective, I think you can still, you know, like on Longbow, we quickly can see, you know, earlier this week, all the inverse ETFs are on, you know, the things that could do the the best. And so that's a great day, like in a call a village idiot way, to be able to say, well, ch- protection's pretty cheap today. And so whether you're the kind of person who can put on options, or you just have to buy inverse ETFs, or just hold more cash, or sell securities, whatever it is that you can do as an investor, trying to take a look at it to say, well, when is that cheap day to be able to, you know, I guess take a little risk off my portfolio, however I can implement it.
0: Yeah, you, you let's end on that default, uh, that default issue because you you showed the chart before and it's the highest it's been since two thousand nine, but it's not nearly that high yet. Yeah. And the question I get all the time right now, no matter where I am, including you know running around at events, is is this two thousand eight, two thousand nine again? Is this is this a great financial crisis again? Do you expect defaults to continue to climb?
1: For sure. I mean, I shocked any real estate investor? Uh, they're extremely worried. Um, at the same time, it was interesting. I, you know, I wrote you a little note ahead of time. It's going to be on the micro level too. Like if you look at Silicon Valley Bank, you know, they do loans to employees of investment firms, and those investment firms, and those loans are based on the potential back end, you know, and fees of their funds. So if they haven't written those down to public market levels, which we know still hasn't happened completely on the private side, and you have even another dislocation in those asset values, there's going to be mismatches all along the chain. It's going to be real estate. It's going to be investment firms. It's going to be consumers. You know, there's going to be so many different ripple effects, I think, this year that you have to be very, very careful. And so it's not just going to be the defaults of the banks that you're seeing here. You're going to start in the corporates. You're going to start seeing you know defaults in many different industries. And that's why I think, like I said before, you really have to be thinking about balance sheets you know, Mm -hmm. coverage of dividends, coverage of leverage, you know, is the debt termed out, you know, versus what you expect. So many different factors from a fundamental basis. The fundamentals will matter more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Couldn't agree more. Um, Nadine, great stuff. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on.
1: Your yeah, pleasure chatting with you, Maggie.
0: Yeah, I hope you'll come back again soon. You gave us a lot to think about. Um, and you're right. It's I think there's really important words to end on because we still, I, I watch all day and I still hear people kind of coming on and indicating, you know, they've got to focus on inflation. They've got this. It's kind of wrapped up. Silicon Valley Bank wasn't that big. And and I, I just, I have to wonder when I hear people saying that. So lots of good food for thought. Um, and as I mentioned, um, Raul's going to be digging into all of this uh, and a live show that's happening at the top of the hour. So go grab your drink and snack, and come back with your questions because I know a lot of you have them, and you don't all agree with some <laughs> of what you heard. Right. wait till you hear his whole thesis. You might <laughs> you might have a lot more questions to ask him. And we have a surprise announcement as well. Real Vision's Festival of Learning is returning, and because of everything that's going on right now, we are making it free. Um, this is the time for knowledge and information. So you just need to go to realvision.com forward slash festival. 2023 to save your seat, and you can see everything that's happening over the two days on the website. But I'll give you an idea of what I'm going to be up to. I'm going to be talking to Jared Dillian about how to manage your personal finances, which is going to be interesting. Uh, we're hosting. I'm hosting Portfolio Doctors. Uh, they're going to try to help with your trickiest portfolio questions this year. The doctors are Mitch Schneider, Dave Floyd, and Brent Donnelly. Love that lineup and. I'm going to be hosting Denise Shull as she psychoanalyzes Raoul and Tony Greer live <laughs> on stage. Like, Who knows what to expect from that? So uh, it's going to be amazing. So hope you can join us for that. And here's a little bit more about what you can expect. We'll see you tomorrow.
2: Hi, I'm Raoul Pal, co-founder and CEO of Real Vision. As you know, things out there are not okay. Things are really screwed up, in fact. Banks are collapsing around us. The AI nuclear bomb has turned up. We need to figure out what the hell that means for us, for our businesses, for humanity. We've also got a looming real estate catastrophe in commercial real estate. It's chaos out there. And frankly, it's probably not gonna get better anytime soon. But one thing I'm passionate about, and we're passionate about in Real Vision, is in times like this, one thing you need is the tools to learn how to kind of unfuck yourself. And I think it's a really important process you see, in the past, we've had something called the Festival of Learning, which was an amazing event, a live event where you get to learn and ask questions and be part of a learning community. And we're going to relaunch that on March the 30th and 31st. It'll give you a bit of a break from the daily chaos. Normally, this costs, I don't know, $399, but it's too important right now. It's really important to me personally that you get the tools that you need to navigate these times and to kind of unfuck your future. We are gonna offer this completely free, no credit card, no nothing. Pop in your email, so realvision.com, Festival of Learning, and just register. Come along, join us. They'll be available afterwards as well, but you need to sign up to get it so you can really immerse, but you can also ask people specific questions. It's really there to help you. It's free, and it literally could change your life. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Today's Real Vision Daily Briefing is sponsored by Crane Shares. Learn about their K-R-B-N ETF at craneshares.com forward slash K-R-B-N. What's up, revolutionaries? Thanks for tuning in to the Real Vision Daily Briefing. For more content like this, head over to realvision.com and get unfiltered access to the very best, brightest, and biggest names in finance.